0: Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of Here's a Guy. We've made it to three episodes. I'm just as amazed as you are. Um, we are here on this lovely, is it lovely? It's kind of lovely, Wednesday afternoon, or afternoon, Jesus, it's evening. Um, it's not going to be Wednesday when we put this out anyway. You could have said it was Tuesday <laughs> at nine o'clock in the morning. They wouldn't have fucking known.
1: Then, uh, like, they, they wouldn't be impressed with my quick edit turnaround time. This lovely insert date and time in post-production yeah. is a beautiful day.
0: What, whatever day and time you want it to be, you want to imagine it's doing this, it's that. 9-11. Well,
1: look. <laughs> uh, wow, I can't believe that podcast was a huge douche on the day of this huge new national tragedy. Fuck those guys.
0: Like called Gar- it lovely. Like Garfield, do something that in hindsight is really insensitive. <laughs> uh, you, two, you two probably, I mean, we were kids, you two definitely both remember 911 right oh yeah for sure yeah i was like i was going to turn 11 in a couple of weeks so yeah i have a very clear memory of that
1: right i remember it but as like an annoyed kid my grandma i don't know why and i've kind of like backtracked to the time but it doesn't make sense other than my grandma just didn't take me to school on time that day cuz she just didn't give a shit but i was watching <laughs> cartoons and my grandma was like, hey, this just happened. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go back to watching cartoons. And then she came back like 10 minutes later and was like, it happened again. And I was like, that's weird. But I still want to watch cartoons.
0: Um, what I remember was um, our mom picked us up from school instead of um, riding the bus home, I guess, because everything was just insanity and um, leaving town. Um, our our small town. The lines for the gas stations ran the length of the entire town. That is the main thing yeah. that I remember about that day. Oh yeah, I um, actually. So yeah, I I remember. Um, they actually brought in a TV. I was in fifth grade. They brought in a TV to the classroom, and we just watched the news coverage of what was going on instead of actually learning anything. Which, why in God's green earth they thought a bunch of ten year old kids in shit fuck Illinois needed to watch the news coverage of this happening. Like, what were we getting out of that? Like, we, we both, kn- we we knew that planes had hit the towers. That was the extent of what we needed to know about it. That was the extent of what we could possibly have even understood about it. So, yeah, that that just, it was completely nonsensical to me, but that means I didn't have to do math that day, which I call, um... I mean, uh, you know, silver linings, folks, is what I'm saying. Silver linings. Yeah, kids, like we're gonna uh, we're gonna put down the multiplication tables for the day. Uh, on the TV, and you're gonna get to watch several thousand people die
1: live <laughs> on repeat for like five hours.
0: Okay, kids, uh, take the number of jumpers you see in the next five minutes Jesus and multiply Christ. them by five. And if you get the answer right, you get a piece of candy. Ah,
1: uh, <laughs> that's dark. It, it, it's just um, like the uh, the whitest kids you know. All right. Who can answer for a sucker? Aww. RIP Trevor Moore. RIP Trevor Moore. Does so, someone need a word bank? So <laughs> let's, uh,
0: we'll talk about something that also harkens back to our childhood, but a much more pleasant part of it. Um, Over this past weekend, um, Cody and I did something we've not done for a very long time. We went to Six Flags. I had not yep. been or been any place with a roller coaster in 16 years. Um, I was in junior high last time I went, um, and my review of the experience, pretty good. Not bad. Not bad at all. It was, uh, Six Flags St. Louis for those of you who, uh, don't know whereabouts we're from. I don't know who that could possibly be at this point, but, uh, yeah, we are, uh, we, we had a good time. We we saw some interesting stuff there, some stuff that uh, we maybe didn't pick up on as much when we were kids. Uh, one thing in particular struck. Uh, Alex, do you want to tell this story, or do you want me to? Uh, you can go for it. Okay. So uh, Alex and I and our two friends that we went with were walking down the middle of Six Flags, looking around as one does, and I saw an ad for they had a magician performing there in one of the little amphitheaters. And I want you to take a guess, Jack John, as to what this guy's stage name was, because this blew my
1: mind. There's a there's a classic one that I feel like a lot of magicians started using that was just incredible, which is a very I feel like really like low hanging no fruit name. that
0: that is so much more clever than this. <laughs> and uh, his name was or sorry, Alex, go ahead. I'll give you one final hint. Um... So, Justin Incredible was also the name that a wrestler went by. Yes. This is not the stage name of a wrestler, but it is very, it follows a similar naming convention yeah. to a nickname
1: that a particular NXT wrestler had at one point. Let's see, there you stopped me. Because I know that, like, uh, when we were at college, uh, the college brought in a magician named Justin Incredible, And I was like, now you're just being lazy. Like, that's already been done. Go ahead, oh, go ahead. You, and you ain't you ain't you ain't seen lazy
0: yet, kid. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and reveal what the name of this magician was. His name was Johnny Magic. God damn it, Johnny <laughs> Magic. That's like if <laughs> Elvis's stage name had been Elvis Guitar. It's like you know if, if you're gonna follow the the naming convention of Johnny thing you're doing. Like it takes some real guts because like the thing about like Johnny Gargano is Johnny wrestling. He's a great right, wrestler. But, Johnny but he, football was really good at one point until he became a miserable failure. And then people stopped right. calling him and Johnny. Also, football. He didn't, he didn't really. Yeah. They started calling him Johnny Betty Ford clinic. Yeah. They didn't, uh, they, he didn't give himself that nickname though. This yeah. guy ostensibly was like, what, what could I call myself that's going to make people think that this is going to be the best magic show they ever see in their lives? And then I imagine he burped through a mouthful of Johnny Walker and said, Johnny? Magic.
1: Got it. I'm imagining now, now in that you- scenario, he's just like an alcoholic. like He's like 55 and he's like, have been doing this for a long fucking time. And he like <laughs> downs his highball, and he looks at me and he's like, it's Johnny fucking magic. And then he just, like, goes into shitty puppets for, like, a kid. So
0: so that brings up an interesting thing uh, to me. This is a thought I totally just had. You know how in Harry Potter, you don't hear a lot about wizards being alcoholics? (laughs) But I bet it happened, and I bet the results were hilarious and catastrophic.
1: I would love to see, like, drunk, like like, barfly bum magic where they're just, like, dicking around with a wand while it hammered at, the, like, the 10th like, the row at a bar. He's just, like, fucking, like, twirling his wand, like, levitating his, like, rocks in and out of his glass. Like, I want I to I be th- there for that magic. I
0: just imagine that, like, every weekend in some little town they have to send the wizard cops out because Dave turned his mailbox into a six-foot dick again or something <laughs> like that.
1: There's, there's a specific magic dick, like, ward not ward there's a specific magic dick precinct where they exclusively deal with magic dicks I, there's,
0: just, a, there's a there's a specific crime that is turning <laughs> something into a giant decorative penis now i'm just saying we could write this we could write it <laughs> nobody's stopping us and no, no. uh i think i think uh, uh jk rowling and her team of incredibly <laughs> expensive lawyers are probably stopping us no cody i think cody. that's where i think that's where we hit the wall on that one
1: cody 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 if you have a, a penis crime, is it a dick's demeanor?
0: Wow. A dick's demeanor? That's worse than Cabbage Henry. <laughs> I'm I'm making a bold claim right that's, now. That is worse than Cabbage Henry. That's not even ironically good. I'm not calling that. So that no, that's two strikes, dude.
1: Oh, one strike more
0: and uh, I don't think so, I think Alex got the the award for, that's true, that's for true, yeah biggest flop last week <clears throat> yeah, I, I my time real... is coming. I know <laughs> I had a real I had a real groaner last week um, and I want to issue my apologies at this time. um I got no to the compl- families of all those affected, <laughs> yeah, well, we got no complaints, which is frankly worse, so. Um, <laughs> silence was deafening. That means they just turned it off and walked away. At that point, they, they probably but, didn't even finish the episode. So my final point uh, re Johnny Magic. What's what's extra offensive about it to me is like being a magician. It's an area where people expect there to be camp. You know, they want you to go as over the top with your name as you possibly can. They, they want you to call yourself something like Dr. Amazeballs or some shit like that. The new Marvel Marvel movie. Yeah, I've seen the trailer for that. Yeah. But to call yourself Johnny Magic. Look That's up not some even a good superhero name. I need to look up some of this guy's stuff and see. Because maybe he's just like the most amazing magician of all time. Maybe he undersells he, you on the Johnny Magic and then he blows your fucking mind. Yeah, maybe, maybe this motherfucker is going out there and doing actual <laughs> magic. And he's just so confident.
1: He goes by, or maybe that's his real name, who knows? He was just born to do this shit, his name was Johnny Magic at birth.
0: I mean, I'm just saying, if I went into a doctor's office, and the doctor was like, hey, my name is Dr. Echocardiogram, I'm still leaving, I'm still leaving, because that's a stupid thing to call yourself, and that tells me you're not very good at what you're doing.
1: You can only do... ECGs. If you need his, your pulse checked, fuck it. He doesn't know how to do that, but he can do an ECG I, really good.
0: Oddly enough, he's an oncologist. We don't know how that works. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, we went to Six Flags with our friends and that was our main takeaway, is that there's a guy named Johnny Magic. Kind of ruined the enjoyment of the rest of the day. Di- no, actually, it didn't. It was a, a barrel of laughs. Um, roller coasters are fantastic, even better than I remembered. Um, yeah, we, we had a great time. Um we adopted a son. Um, oh, my God. I forgot we were going to talk about this kid. I love this kid. We oh are waiting. Wow. We're waiting in line for the the Mr. Freeze, which, for those of you who don't know, is an extremely, like, intense ride at it's Six Flags. It's, it's about the gnarliest thing at Six Flags. Is Singles that the one that shoots you, like,
1: from, like, a standstill and, like, launches you out of a tunnel?
0: Yeah. At, okay. at uh, 75 miles an hour. Yeah. Yes. Also, from, you're also, from dead stop to 75. Right. Pretty much instantly. Also, you're backwards. Um yes, and you go to the the top of a this high summit and then you just fall back down all while being backwards so we're we're waiting in line in uh in this ride, and there's this like twelve thirteen year old kid in front of us he was there with some of his friends, but like he was clearly like kind of trying to veer off away from them and like he' was like listen to our conversations and talk to us and then when the line forked, he went our way, and what we figured out pretty quick is like okay, this kid doesn't like rides very much and really oh, no. <laughs> is intimidated about this well, ride. So, but before we even got inside, he turned to me and asked me if I'd been on it before. And I said, yeah. He said, is it scary? I was like, yeah, kind of. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's pretty intense. But I mean, you know, even before then, he was already already plotting to make this move. And he, he told me, he's like, this is the second roller coaster I've ever been on. I'm guessing the first one had been just a few minutes prior. So, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, this this kid's got, you know, he's got guts. He's got guts even attempting that that early in his his roller coastering career. So he he went through with it. Um, we actually we even had to wait like fifteen minutes for maintenance when we were like right at the front of the line. He had every chance Ooh. to bail. He didn't. When they they go to load the ride because he's on the one he's on the ride uh uh the trip ahead of us, and he gets on and he goes over to the other side, like where you go to put your stuff in the basket, and he just kind of lingers there. And we're like, "Oh my god, this kid's gonna wuss out." Um, but he I doesn't... almost yelled at I almost yelled at him, "Hey, get your ass back in the ride." But I didn't. I didn't know if that would genuinely, genuinely like make him make him feel
1: going to antagonize a child yet again in public.
0: But he he gets back in, and he's sitting there, and he's looking real nervous. He's like putting his like bandana down over his face, um, and finally, he looks back at us, and we give him a big thumbs up. Um, the ride like gears up to go and he looks back at us again. We're like, You got this, King. You got this. And (laughs) the thing takes off. That was the last we ever saw of him. (laughs) The thing takes off and it was literally like a fucking Roger Rabbit. Like his eyes. (laughs) Like, like, and we're just. Uh, There was almost an audible Awooga noise. (laughs) And I really hope he didn't see us start laughing at him because it was just so perfect. But he came back and he seemed okay. So, um,. Our short-time adopted son survived the roller coaster, so um, if you're listening to this, where the hell are your parents? They shouldn't be letting you listen to this. You're a child. Um, well, I'm guessing they're the ones who let you wander around Six Flags all day without any adults. Yeah, when you're scared of rides. Um,
1: I never thought I'd say this, but you guys are good parents.
0: Yeah, we're proud of you. <laughs> if you're out there, we're proud of you, son. Um. Anyway, did you- did And you I'm not your real dad. Did you have any other takeaways from from Six Flags? No, no, not really. Um, I did, speaking of names, this just occurred to me very briefly. um, Some, I I had some technical issues around my apartment. My uh, water heater quit working, so I had the guy over to fix it. And he was talking about some of the other apartment buildings on the block. And he mentioned that one or more of them was owned by a man named Hoofendick. His last name was, which is a name that I had never heard before but i had to bite i didn't ask how to spell it or anything because i had to bite down on my tongue so hard from to keep from bursting out into to shocked laughter at that point because the first thing that jumped to my mind is that sounds like an std
1: you get from fucking cows <laughs> i feel like i've used that as like an insult like yeah I man she's been poofing dick tonight <laughs> um <clears throat> similar to that here in st
0: louis there's um like a long time family name, they actually used to own a small beer company. Uh, their name is Greasedick. Oh, <laughs> see, Greasedick—that sounds almost fun. But Hoof and Dick sounds like you yeah. went to the ER and immediately got arrested <laughs> because they know it. But, because they know what you're up to.
1: It's like, yeah, we, we've we've given you the medical aid, but now the police are waiting outside. Whenever you're ready to officially leave the hospital.
0: Hey, why is Frank uh, growing horns on his balls? Oh, he wound up with a nasty case of hoof and dick. <laughs>
1: um Do so yeah, they have to send a letter for that now?
0: There's a uh there's a uh brick building in Dogtown here in St. Louis, pretty close to the zoo. Um, that if you know where to find it, um has a still has a large Grease Dick advertising mural on the side, Grease Dick beer. So um there's <laughs> there's a little hidden gem local attraction for you. I, I was really hoping that what they were selling was like KY Jelly or something like
1: that. I mean, look, way that ahead just, of their again, time. That,
0: that's like, that's like Johnny Magic.
1: That's just, you yeah. had to do it. You yeah. were born into that name and now you have a design profession for you.
0: Johnny Grease Dick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, a legend like in the a, local sounds, bar scene. Sounds like a Grease character that was cut from the script for being too <laughs> rapey. But like, look, I, we know exactly what he is, but you can't name him Grease Dick. But he's but he's a greaser. Yeah, you he can't name him stick. How about you, Jack? Did you did you do anything? <laughs> do anything remarkable in the last week? I I got to go up to Chicago. Um, was an impromptu best man at my cousin's wedding. Got to get drunk in Chicago at awkward family functions, as everyone always does at awkward family functions. Was, yep. there, a, was there a mosh pit? There was not a mosh pit, but we were doing shots of Malort, so it was oh, a Chicago wedding.
0: Oh, my God. So, last time I did Malort, actually... Oh, by the way, Pookie wanted me to uh, to to rub it in your face once again, that he
1: has seen you more recently than me. But, he, we uh... talked last night, and he was like, I saw the Charpens more recently than you, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you you do live a lot more closely to them than I do.
0: <laughs> but, uh, yes, our, our good friend Pookie, co-host yes. of the Belchcast, nice little plug there. Um, yeah, uh, last time I did Malort, though, was the last time I went to go visit you in Indiana. And it was just as bad as I'd remember. I hadn't done it since somebody brought some when I was like 22 and we were still in, in school. Somebody somebody brought some to a party. I don't remember who. If I did, I would have banned them immediately because that shit. It is the most it is the bitterest liquor in the world, and it stays in your mouth so much longer than it should. Nothing else holds its flavor that long after you finish ingesting it. But Melort, impressive like, body. There there's a ghost of malort that hangs around <laughs> for like 15 minutes and makes your life absolutely miserable. It's like the Amityville horror in your mouth.
1: It's just awful. It's like an incredible hot sauce where no matter what you like if you ingest like if you chase it, it's it's still there. Like it it overpowers it's like the fucking ace card of alcohols and that you can't oh, you can't remove yourself it's, from it's, it. It
0: trumps everything.
1: It's but it also it I was I was trying to avoid using that slur. Uh, but I was it's it's something <laughs> sure. where it it tastes I've always said it tastes like an active shipwreck. Like if you yeah. went down to the bottom of the ocean and found like driftwood from a ship and you licked that wood, that's what Malort tastes like
0: but driftwood didn't get you that drunk that fast.
1: That's true. That's also true, which is
0: the downside of licking (laughs) driftwood that, uh, well, there are many of those I could go on for a couple hours. I mean, we want to do the next podcast on that.
1: One of these days, we're going to find that magic driftwood that gets you drunk. And then, and then the rest of our lives will begin. That
0: Um, sounds like, uh, that sounds like the plot of the next pirates of the Caribbean movie. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not. First of the drunk ship. Some, some, sometime when we get, you know, Mitch or Pookie on, we need to have them fully explain Malort (laughs) because I don't It's like, don't get me wrong. Like, like, you know, I live in St. Louis. There's plenty of bad shit that we like, you know, that's a local thing that every, every city has their own bad shit that they like, but that
1: one, I mean, (laughs) it's, it's it's like depraved even for me. It's like it's like a meme that the locals like embrace, but also like it was around long enough to where the locals had any point to stop it. Like, yeah, it's the th- pretty th- fucking old. It's not like it's a new thing where it's like, haha, we're going to get people new to Chicago to fucking drink this. Like this was a staple for like some neighborhoods. And, like, see, was, that, like, that's long standing yeah, liquid.
0: Thing.
1: The thing that really bothers
0: me is that for it to even exist still to this point there have to be multiple people who drink it because they like it. And that absolute, I just can't fathom that. Is there anything you can mix it with that doesn't taste like battery acid? Cause I don't think so.
1: I, I, can't I think actual anything. battery acid uh, neutralizes the flavor.
0: Yeah. Um. But you start foaming and shit and they take you to the <laughs> ER.
1: I mean, I foam and go to the ER after drinking the Lord anyway. So it's,
0: yeah, at at the other orifice, though.
1: <laughs> uh, I get I get the foaming butts again. I was drinking.
0: <laughs> I um, the foaming butts. Yeah, I'm not used to that. Like where, where Cody and I hail from, the the great alcoholic delicacy. Well, he's retired now, but was at least the the wine that our great Uncle Dick would make in his shed. That's the local delicacy that I'm used to. And it. I was, love if, me if, if you've some never, Dick Shed
1: wine. Dick Shed wine is a good. If taste. you if
0: you've never handed somebody a bottle of something with no label on it. And they ask what it is, and you say Un- Uncle Dick Shedwine. They look at you like you're an alien being. <laughs> Dude, my my city folk friends fucking love Uncle Dick Shedwine. It's We're... it's great stuff, or it was. R.I.P. Uncle Dick Shedwine. But not Uncle Dick. He's alive. He just retired. Oh, yeah, okay. He's still <laughs> hanging in there. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we we've been rambling for a bit
1: or um, too long. <laughs>
0: And uh, the worst of it is that uh, none of this conversation sucked, so I, I don't think I can even cut any of it like I've been doing.
1: Um, Our
0: recording sessions
1: have been five hours long. Alex has to cut out so much riffing. Yeah, I, actually,
0: uh, yeah, we're actually, still recording from the last episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we we've all got huge beards now. None of us have eaten, so uh, let's get to uh, the point of why we do this thing. Um, folks it is that time again let's talk about some guys um guys. jack you want to you want to try the song again the guys i think it ha- i think it has been different every single time that's it been... i, I, yeah, I that can't was remember just, it. that was just two words that was the simpsons is what you yeah. just did <laughs> you like cody's that idea was, of, that uh, was copyright infringement is what you just did <laughs> I do like Cody's idea of um, eventually doing a super cut of that and seeing how it <laughs> stacks up. So, maybe something to look out for in the future. Um, oh, but God. For now, for I all think... our Patreon subscribers, <laughs> lol. Um, God, here's $5. Save the guys. Let us times. have a Patreon if we all three needed kidneys. <laughs> um, so, yeah, leading off this week, um, so I led off week one, Jack led off week two. I don't know why I'm setting up like this, because it's not like this is going to be a normal rotation, but um uh nonetheless first up this week we have cody cody who are we talking about uh or who are you talking about this week so um we brought it up last time uh last week that this is not a science podcast but something i realized is that there's a lot of guys that come from the realm of of science in that general goodness yes because there's there's so many opportunities to do weird things yes and there's there's so many like eccentric people that are drawn to that it's 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 a it's a circus man i like for i have like i have several in my pocket as well possibly somebody for our halloween episode whenever that drops but yeah the science world is a it is a wonderful wonderful little freak show they got going there
1: now cody is this is this a science or a "Quote unquote science," like a he's doing science. Well, this, is science. this is a real science.
0: This is a real science. This is real science. This is okay. as real as it gets. This guy is a medical doctor. Um, un- speaking of gold mines for insanity, he hails from Australia. Oh God, crikey! <laughs> this is yeah. Doctor Barry Marshall. He uh, won the Nobel Prize. Uh, he's the Nobel Prize laureate in physiology or medicine. Um, professor of clinical microbiology and co-director of the Marshall Center at the University of Western Australia. So this guy is a big-shot Aussie doctor. I could do that if I just wasn't so tired. Yep. Yeah. You could be a doctor in Australia. <laughs> well, I could stitch well, up a few kangaroo wounds. What the hell? What Ivy-dripist a, a, imposters?
1: IV we got this.
0: Oh, man, one of these days we should talk about my foster's drinking phase in college. Um, No, so this guy, um, a a big part of what he did, he and uh, another doctor named Robin Warren, who's also pretty well-known, but it was much more well-known than this guy when they started working on this. Uh, They did a lot of work with bacteria and some of the things it can do to the human digestive tract, like that burp I just had right there. That was probably a result of some bacteria. That was extremely well-timed. Yep. Yep. I love you know, a good interactive yeah. exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> my my esophagus is my co-host this week. Now, um, <laughs> this guy... So, one thing that uh, he theorized was that uh, bacteria played a big role in the development of peptic ulcers. Now, I, surprisingly enough, have never had an ulcer that I'm aware of, but it was thought for a long time that these were primarily the result of stri- uh, spicy foods, stress... Anything that, you know, heavy alcohol use, which is still a big contributor, anything that jacks up your stomach acid. All, I, I was, was going to that... say, like, the, the fact that you haven't gotten an ulcer is
1: disproving yeah, most of these theories. The <laughs> big three of, well, no, it can't be Cody.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it, those things do all contribute, but usually not without the presence of some bacteria. So, one big name bacteria, if we have any uh, medical folks that listen, you'll be familiar with this uh, bacteria. It's called H. pylori. It's fairly common in the human digestive tract and it's responsible for a lot of our digestive issues it can give you gastritis it can do all kinds of fucked up shit to your intestines so they worked on this for a while they tried all kinds of ways of, of proving this now first of all i i just want to say that they laughed at this theory so hard because at the time and this was not that long ago by the way this was like In the early 1980s, they laughed at them because they thought that the human stomach has so much acid, there couldn't possibly be any bacteria in there. That is the most wrong thing (laughs) I have ever heard in my life. There are all kinds of literally when you go to the doctor with gut problems, one of the first things they will do always is give you probiotics to help the healthy bacteria grow. So like that's one of the number one lines of defense. And they thought that it was ludicrous in 1980. That scares the living hell out of me. I don't know about you guys. But, they were, you know, basically laughed off the stage when they brought this up, but, you know, they did uh, all kinds of research in the early 80s, uh, and one of their first research things, actually, uh, it looked like it was failing, because they kept these cultures that they took for a certain amount of time, and after a while, the lab techs, and they didn't tell them this, would just throw them out. Because I guess that was hospital policy. So after, like, several months, he's like, yeah, no shit, you didn't give it time to develop. No wonder we're not finding anything, you're just throwing these fucking things away. <laughs> so, um, after after that whole debacle, they started having some success with finding the bacteria. They started trying to inject piglets, actually, which, uh. Don't love the idea of that, but did, uh, uh, you did, know you do what, what you got to do. What did Pooh think about that? He said, "Oh bother!" I believe was the one oh, he it's... gave. Thanks for saving the times. Thanks for saving that. Oh, joke. <laughs> that was Cause that did that. That, sound, that was a lot funnier in my head than it came out. But so thanks for for me out on that one. Well, you know, it's what I do. Um, been so... doing that
1: for a lot of years. <laughs>
0: can't believe you derailed my entire thing for
1: that god for a goddamn Winnie the Pooh joke that, that <laughs> a borders Winnie
0: the Pooh reference
1: that might um, be second for the worst jokes but it's a close second i like Winnie the
0: Pooh but they anyway they could not uh successfully infect the piglets uh for reasons that i did not do any further research into i'm sure it's fascinating but not relevant <laughs> so this guy decides he's going to take the next step so what he did was to Say, well, you know, we can't give this stuff to pigs, but I'm positive it grows in humans. Where the hell am I going to find a human who's willing to do this? Oh, there's one. Oh, wait. That's a mirror. This fucking guy, Barry Marshall. He's going to fucking do it. He, He's he gonna said, be that guy. He said, here's a guy. And Ooh, he huh? did. oh, he did it. He did it. He said
1: the thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he title dropped this. God damn it.
0: He said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the guy. I'm going to be the, the hero Gotham needs, not the one it deserves. And I'm going to give myself this bacteria. So he drank a thing of chicken broth that he had grown cultures of this bacteria and just fucking <laughs> drank it. He didn't even inject it. He just he didn't, drank like, the
1: damn thing. He didn't make like a soup out of the broth. He was just like fucking straight chicken broth.
0: So he figured, OK, it's going to take a while because it took so long for the cultures to grow in the lab which is not a warm, wet, bacteria-filled human digestive tract, I might add, that he he decided when he was doing this in the lab, he's like, well, this is going to take a couple of weeks probably to start seeing any effects. Three days later, he starts feeling like absolute dog shit, starts getting nauseous, his breath gets really bad. Um, So, you know, eventually starts puking like... Puking, puking. So they they take uh, him to the hospital. I, they wait, I, him... I I have one question real quick, just for the sake of the scientific aspect of this. Did he eat any White Castle intermittently? I don't think so. I think if he had, he'd yeah. be dead. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, he... I don't think I don't think his system could have handled the the two of those together. <laughs> so they take him to the hospital after like eight days. He has massive gastritis like his entire stomach is just inflamed as hell and they pulled the biopsy they searched for the bacteria lo and behold there was tons of it because you know this guy just drank a you know he, he just yeah. drank bacteria soup basically yeah he drank rotten chicken juice you know, I, like, do you I, don't know
1: how I don't know how exactly but you have exactly one quart of bacteria it's, it's amazing it's like a chicken broth sized amount
0: And so they pull the biopsy. They do this. uh, They decided, and this is how fucking nuts this guy was. He waits for a while. They keep doing endoscopies on him to to check his progress. Doesn't take any medicine for it for like three weeks. So for three weeks, he's just feeling... After that, he decides, okay, we've got... Either he decides we've got all the info we need, or he decides if we don't don't do something about this, I'm going to (laughs) die. One of the two. It doesn't specify. But after that, he starts taking antibiotics but that uh, basically that's, proved that's yeah, that's, a that's good over move, that's, right? that's overdiagnosed he just needs to to <laughs> go to the farm store buy some ivermectin start taking that i got to get nothing that. but red <laughs> eat nothing but red meat it was the chicken that put
1: you in this situation to begin with look big pharma wants to keep you down don't listen to them they're just going to make you sicker you got to you got to follow your gut that's right but if you drink rotten if you drink bacteria soup then
0: yeah <laughs> So, yeah, they, they through this, discovered that, yes, this bacteria does indeed live in human digestive tracts. It does indeed cause problems. And eventually, although not immediately because they didn't, he didn't actually have an ulcer. He didn't have it long enough, basically, for an ulcer to develop. But eventually they, you know, after they started learning to test for this, they realized, oh, it does indeed, like, it is the number one cause of peptic ulcers. Basically, all that other stuff, the stress and... Um, spicy food, you know, things that raise your stomach acid. That does absolutely cause problems uh, if you've already got this bacteria and already got an ulcer starting. That's like throwing gasoline on a fire. But the bacteria is, in fact, the fire. And that's what what he discovered and went on to be, like I I mentioned a little bit up top, incredibly decorated. Um, He, again, won the Nobel Prize in Physiology uh, and Medicine. Uh, along with Robin Warren, who was, again, with him this entire time, but uh, didn't actually take the plunge of infecting oneself intentionally. So, you know, he, he's been, he's gotten all of these, you know, huge awards. Uh, he's got the Benjamin Franklin Medal in the late 90s, uh, the Keough Medical Science Prize, McFarlane Burnett Medal in Lecture, all this kind of stuff. So all of these, so he actually, this is a story that ends happily because this is a very common you know medical ailment. now we know how to deal with it, now we know how to manage it better. and he got a nice little meal ticket off it. I mean let's not let's not um, shame the guy for his bag, okay? So he uh, wound up you know doing a lot of very important things and and still is uh, active today doing medical stuff. so that's that's my guy this week. yeah so guys, here's my big question to you. What exactly, if there was one medical condition that you could find the cure for by giving it to yourself, what would it be so yeah the the hook here is that I assume whatever it is we we have to suffer through it <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to just you have to do like he did, you have to just get it, you can start treating yourself eventually, but uh, you know there's there's no guarantee that the cure will be developed before this thing kills you too. I have to I have to <laughs> throw that addendum
1: in there. So it's it's almost potentially you can choose the horrible way you want to die, but also future people might not have to.
0: Or you can you can, you know, do something more benign, but then that's not as big a problem. Right. That you're solving. So yeah, that's you know, where where is that line for you guys? I'm trying to think of something, I mean, probably the real answer is like the common cold, but there's got to be something more fun to have than a cold. Um, What metal conditions can I enjoy having? Um... I love how you're not even trying to be a humanitarian. You're like, how am I going to get my party on and get paid for it?
1: Oh no, I've got this massive boner forever. How can I solve that? Damn, that that's, is, that's where Alex is going.
0: That is actually a very real medical condition called priapism, and I wouldn't suggest that one because that one will kill you in like eight hours. So,
1: <laughs> but what? I mean, there's in not much hours? blood. There's not much blood flow to my head anyway. It's 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 also, mostly just I, I, think, fuss. I think they
0: I think they can I think they can usually fix that. So yeah, you you struck out there.
1: Um, I mean that's a, That's a, I, I don't think there's anything I'm willing enough to put my body through on like that high of a safe to be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna solve this shit.
0: I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with Elephant Titus. Walk around with some okay. real walk around with some real big uh, feet for a couple weeks and see uh, see if uh, you know, because you know, that's like, that's a problem that does affect like really, really poor places of the earth, I think, more than anything else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll walk around with some some big ass feet for a few weeks um, to you know, help. See, you <laughs> could just put on a clown costume and nobody right. would know no one know any different.
1: Alex is just cosplaying as Crusty the Clown for a month while everyone <laughs> figures this out. It's a
0: weird that you're doing. Hey! Like, like it's, it's no, it's for the good of humanity, don't worry.
1: <laughs> I'm saving the human race. Hey, hey, hey. <clears throat> Why
0: crusty specifically?
1: Like the seems like this part, is an, the first clown seems like that I is is think an, of.
0: Seems like this is an inner fantasy of yours <laughs> that you're, you're hey, acting got a, out here. I've gotta I've gotta I'm gonna try this. Um well it turns out um the, the the cure is not actually gonna be ready to go for several years, and this is gonna kill you uh like next month. Ugh, <laughs> That's Not that was bad. that was my that was my attempt. Um, <laughs> is that a soundboard that sounded so convincing? <laughs> um, it helps that I actually do that like so, like quietly to myself like a lot while I'm at work. I'm just as they, I'm imagining you in court and you're just going. Ugh. I have to stifle uh, sometimes when I'm in court. In like, fact, a lot I have to. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jack John.
1: Do we? We didn't get an answer from Jack. I. Uh... I might I might chicken out. I don't think there's anything I'm worth doing to my body at that point. Like, trust me, a lot of my, not my not, lifestyle is gonna kill me anyway. Not even the common cold.
0: You I, wouldn't even give yourself a cold.
1: I mean, I would give my if a normal cold, I I could live through like a normal cold for a month. But yeah, like we knowing don't have, my luck like, is gonna be it's gonna be like the most like aggressive, like congratulations, you have all of the world's cold at once. <laughs> and then my head just explodes.
0: Well, since you didn't pick, we're going to anoint you dysentery.
1: I will take dysentery. <laughs> you're going to shit yourself. Up.
0: I mean, you're drinking a Honest- Ham's
1: right now. I'm surprised <laughs> you don't already have it. Hon- honestly, I I thought dysentery, but I was like, I don't know if that's actually, like, I don't know enough about dysentery to know if that's actually, like, a solvable means, medical condition. It basically means
0: you sh- basically causes you to shit yourself to death
1: right no I, I know what dysentery is i just wasn't sure if we had a cure for it or not or like a medical like Here, you just take this i don't know
0: if we do or that, that not. was one of my
1: first I, thoughts was just taking like the gimmick. You're like oh i'll take dysentery and i'll just have really bad shits a, a,
0: a similar shit disease that i don't think is eradicated <laughs> in all disease. parts of the world anyway is cholera
1: because i was just like i was like diarrhea but like i know Some that we thing. can take things for diarrhea
0: i think that's the official medical uh <laughs> Taxonomy is, um <laughs> our taxonomy is, uh, uh shit, disease. shit disease. Your doctor How comes you in. Li- to- look, Alex. I'm in sorry.
1: Alex How look, would you I'm like sorry.
0: to? How would you like to be the head doctor in the shit disease ward of the <laughs> hospital?
1: Uh, first of all, it's the I guess, I guess not
0: the head doctor. Yeah.
1: Ooh. Uh Alex. I'm sorry. You've got you've got the drizzling shits.
0: Ah, I hate the drizzling ball. shits. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah, that would—that's
0: really would be a bad way. Like drizzling It's not something. Something is wrong with the consistency. If it can drizzle, <laughs> it's a consistency of honey, you know. Um, and that's that's how, how Winnie the Pooh shits. Brought it back around. Okay. Oh. So, Full circle. So, um... hundred acre wood. So that was yeah a, a shorter but a good topic. I mean, this was a guy who was. You know clearly very devoted to science, and I mean that genuinely. And thankfully for the world, he was also completely nuts. Um, yeah. so, so good on you, sir. Um, and now I believe that's Barry Marshall. Thank you, Barry Marshall. Good topic. And turning now, um,
1: how about you, Jack? Uh, who's your guy this week? Yeah, so I have uh, a man who is also vaguely scientific, but not exactly. So I have Yoshiro Nakamatsu who is a very famous I would I would call him an eccentric Japanese inventor. Uh at currently he is 93 years old. He obviously lives in Japan. He is most known for having over 3500 <laughs> known patents. So scientific patents or patents where you've kind of like patented your own technology or idea and what's great about nakamatsu is he's just kind of an insane person so from what i going well, to find so good so what i was going to point out about
0: patents and alex i'm sure you know a little bit more about this than me so I, I just jump in here and correct me if you need to but um i believe the the thing with a patent is there's not necessarily that many products on the market that he's <coughs> invented because for a patent i think you don't have to prove that it works. I think you just have to prove that it theoretically might work and you can get a patent for that. So some of this stuff probably didn't come to fruition. Yeah. I don't, I don't actually know like the, the like the legal standard for it. Um, Patent law is like a very notoriously specialized area of law. Like it's so specialized. They don't even test you for it on the bar exam. And I never took that class in law school. So I, I I have no idea. Yeah. The only frame of reference I really have on patents is that I, I have heard plenty of stories of people getting patents for ridiculous things that will never actually be invented. And, my, and we're going to get
1: into that, don't you worry.
0: Okay, I, good. I was hoping we'd get there. My yes. only patent law anecdote is that uh, uh, Calvin's dad in Calvin and Hobbes was a patent attorney. That's right, he was. Oh, Another that's... comic strip reference.
1: <laughs> so, if, if Alex can get his comic references in, it's a good episode. I've got
0: two so far.
1: Um, <laughs> so...
0: This guy, he has 3,500 patents to his name, and to be clear, most people have zero, correct? Yeah, so he's he's already winning.
1: Yeah. I've actually got yeah. negative four. <laughs> They've taken away patents from you and given them to other people when you've applied. Cody tried to patent uh, one of the like uh, portable holds that uh,
0: Bugs Bunny throws in front of people <laughs> and they fall. And after a very lengthy, prolonged court battle, they determined that at this time it is not possible. They, See, they looked at is, it and they were just like, it, it's just a
1: black circle you have painted. It. It's clearly just a that solid is a surface. Very,
0: That is a very inside baseball joke there, because most people probably don't know, but I have been talking about how much I want those goddamn portable holes <laughs> to exist for like, it's been more than a decade now. You're in good time. Johnny Knoxville also is obsessed with that idea.
1: <laughs> and if anyone could you, figure
0: it out, it would be him.
1: I've heard yeah. you directly ramble about this before. No, I, I believe that. Okay. Yeah, so so Nakamatsu, he's so he he throws a lot of patents at the wall, but he's also kind of insane. In like the best way to describe it. So from what I I found, a couple different interviews and a full documentary about him. If you if you want to look into it, he's he'll tell you everything he wants to tell you. I found one uh, interview where he said he doesn't like hearing his full name, Nakamatsu. He prefers to be called Nakamat. Because people are more uh, more likely to remember eight letter names, so he'll drop okay. the U. It, so he, he's he's very infatuated with you remembering who he is, and he's very infatuated with his identity and his brand. And so, so those... you're, you're, telling,
0: you're telling me the guy who filed for three thousand five hundred patents, much of them <laughs> for
1: ostensibly stupid shit, has a bit of an ego? Is that what you're asking me to believe right now? It, it it does happen a little bit, and also some of it is based on culture. And I'm not completely versed in Japanese culture, but I know a lot of Japanese culture is kind of based on kind of like like social standing honor. is very important. Social yes. standing, yeah. So, and, and and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But he he gives a huge fuck of a lot about his name and his image and his recognition. So Nakamatsu isn't just just some random guy. He actually did go to the University of Tokyo. He has a PhD in engineering uh, from the University of Tokyo. So he he knows shit. He's he's very smart. Um, just a little couple things about him. So he often and so he's he's crazy, but he's lovable. So he loves to talk shit to talk about Thomas Edison. As a lot of fun people probably should always do. Well, Thomas Edison you know, was a really I mean, bad guy. He, he, so did, yeah.
0: he did do a lot of very bad things. Yeah, he's he was right. not a good good person.
1: So in in the, oh, several different interviews that I listened to from him, he would always bring up the point. He was like, "Well, you know, like Thomas Edison is a famous like great inventor. People always love to talk about Edison. Edison only had a thousand and ninety three inventions, and he died at eighty four, and he's dead now, and I'm alive, and." <laughs> So Nakamatsu is basically just like fuck Edison. Wow. He's dead.
0: So yeah. his issue with Edison was that he didn't have enough patents. Not the uh, jamming an electrical cord up an elephant's ass. That didn't well, I
1: mean, there's much. there's also there's also Topsy the elephant, which is we'll always remember you Topsy. But R.I.P. Topsy. <laughs> topsy. We got a lot of <laughs> memorials in this one. Yeah, was that really heavy do. episode? You're, you're,
0: you're up there. You're up there partying with Harambe. We know.
1: R.I.P. But so it, it's not necessarily anything where he's just like oh, like, Thomas Edison's this guy. He's just like, I'm better than Edison. He only had a thousand inventions. So some some weird quirky things that I've been <laughs> able to find out about Nakamatsu. Nakamatsu only eats one meal a day. He believes that if you eat three meals a day, they will age you. And he is very against the idea of aging. Nakamatsu very strongly believes that he'll live to be 144 years old. He's Not a lot of anything to say about it he said this several times it's not like a one-off thing where he's just like ah, oh, maybe i'll live to 144 he will tell anybody who will listen that he plans to live to 144
0: so is he just gonna on his 144th birthday is he just gonna just gonna off himself or can he like die on command because that's a great that's a talent that i've said for years yeah it's really impressive but you can only do it once so kind of a kind of a lame party trick,
1: really. He's he's got such strong will that he's holding off death until he feels it's ready.
0: I think he's gonna be uh he's gonna live to be hundred and forty three and three hundred and sixty-four days old, and he's gonna get like I don't know, like struck by a like a small
1: asteroid or something. Um <laughs> he's, he's gonna get that uncurable dysentery and die at hundred and forty three. <laughs> what a way um, to go. Yeah. But he he legitimately believes, and he he said this that hunger means that you're not using enough of your brain, and basically, if you're hungry, you're not being productive enough with your day. He's he's very into the idea, and again, this is kind of with like Japanese culture. It's like you need to be like working, and you need to be doing something. And again, I'm not completely versed in Japanese culture, but I know enough of it to know that the work ethic is insane in some individuals, and it's it's instilled on you that like you need to be fucking working. There was an event where he preached basically I was never tardy in school or like in my young adulthood life. And he literally sang a song to a group of people about how timeliness is everything and how you need to always be working. Like he's, he's very much like so he
0: also wait, he, he introduces these ideas in the form of songs. So he's just like the Japanese
1: Willy Wonka. That He basically he he's like, he's like actually like, like the, the documentary that I watched, he was actually just like stinging but like this, like boardroom of like people who were there, like at a hotel for an event, and he's just like singing off of this PowerPoint slideshow song, <laughs> a song that he wrote, which is basically just like I wasn't late on Monday, I wasn't late on Tuesday. Like it's an insane like mental mindset that he has, but like he's again, he he also says that he he sleeps a maximum of four hours a day, God a maximum. Damn. This is this so all... man is ninety four. This all reminds me, um, coming at
0: it from a different way, but it reminds me a little bit of um, Donald Trump's theory about, uh, like, how much (laughs) energy the body has, where, like, the human body's like a battery, and if you burn too much energy, then, like, you won't have more for later, which, let me just say, as as, as much as I dislike the man, and as much as I know that's bullshit, I do kind of respect that theory. (laughs) It is an amazing excuse for being lazy. I mean, that is... if you look at it in incredibly broad strokes, that is kind of true. Because if you if you burn off a bunch of energy, you won't have as much energy. But right, still, a regular exercise kind of keeps that battery charged as opposed to just right. straight up deplete. That's, like, it doesn't work like that. That's right. Where, that's where he gets it wrong, which is that he thinks that you can't replenish energy. You just <laughs> I mean, are born with a finite amount, which is a, an incredible theory. Again, for as much as I dislike yeah. the guy, it's an amazing theory. And at least yeah, in, no, in... he he's an idiot, but he's a savant at being a, a, a lazy, useless
1: lump, basically. <laughs> and at least in Nakamatsu's case, like Nakamatsu works out, Nakamatsu exercises, like he he lives like a pretty full, fucking like twenty hour a day life. Like there's like video of him working out and like like amateur wrestling as like a form of um exercise. Like he 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 actually uses his body. He's not just like some fat old sad man. Uh, as others who don't use all of their body's energy would be. Not uh, uh, God, God no, damn it. You're going to
0: fucking call me out like that. <laughs> I was going to say no, no disrespect to the uh, lazy fat old men out there. We love you. Uh, all. Yeah. Time. Shout out to our uh, 60 and up
1: category. We're looking at you
0: so, for literally in our, <laughs> we are talking about stats before this. We have 1% of listeners, 60 years or older and whoever it is, bless you. <laughs> and thank you. It's Thank you for wasting your, your remaining <laughs> you time on the with us. This guy, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's not him because it seemed like his least favorite thing in the world was wasting time, and I cannot think of anything that would be a bigger waste of time than for him to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Not the rest of you, though. The rest of you should keep listening. As a matter of fact, you should listen more.
1: You're, you're, you are you're should you should be learning more. You should be taking notes, or we'll be in the exam after episode 10. Right, right. So, so Nakamatsu does... One of probably so my favorite thing about him is he essentially has these different like theories on like creative um exercise essentially, where he'll he'll kind of when he thinks of his patents or his inventions or his ideas, he'll come to like a state of mind. One of the like so he has like several rooms in his house. One of the rooms is said to be solid gold plated with no real metal inside other than like the gold wall around it. And his idea is that radio frequencies um do not come through the walls, so he can have a more like sanctimonious and like inner peace like thinking while inside of this room, because it's in solid gold and no essential negative energy can come through into the room. And this is one so... of the places where he creates his patents is in this room.
0: So he thinks that the radio waves are, are what is what is causing the you know, distractedness and other stuff that keeps the rest of us from, from achieving true nirvana or whatever his phrase for it would be.
1: Yes, yes. He thinks that being in that sort of isolated room gives him almost like a clarity. You know, create.
0: ordinarily, I would think that was silly, but I work in a radio station and I can honestly say that that place sucks the life out of me the moment I walk inside. So Nakamatsu's on something here. He He might have it there. Yeah, the, the big, uh, the big, uh, uh twist ending in all of this is that Nakamatsu is the one who created Havana Syndrome. No, 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 I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just, just kidding. Havana Syndrome's fake. All right.
1: Wait to, go. wait, wait jump into can my not, lead. Yeah. Jesus. No. So, so my favorite thing though about him is that Nakamatsu has. I don't know if to call it a theory or a practice, but he'll he'll go to a swimming pool. And he'll submerge himself in water. And, That's one done. And Nakamatsu has said that he believes, and to <laughs> quote Nakamatsu, "too much too much oxygen is bad for the brain." See, medical
0: science says the opposite, actually.
1: And like, he if believes... you don't
0: get enough oxygen to your brain, <laughs> you will die a lot. Like, you'll be real dead.
1: <laughs> you'll die so much, but he's he literally... so fucking dead. He believes that too much too much um oxygen is bad for the brain and that the brain is more fitch, efficient with less oxygen. So, so what it's he'll like, literally it's like do. Your
0: body is, so it's like your body with calories,
1: basically. Yeah. <laughs> Some calories um, are good, too many calories bad. What are his thoughts on autoerotic asphyxiation? <laughs> Honestly, this might be his way of doing it, because essentially what he said he does is he submerges himself underwater and tries to think of new inventions and kinds of, like, think through his thought process, <laughs> yes. and he said to hold himself <laughs> underwater until .05 seconds before death, is what he says. This actually... And he says, in that clarity, <laughs> he finds that? his inventions.
0: This actually, this all really does start to make a lot more sense if you imagine that he is getting off during all of this. <laughs> .05 seconds before death. That means he, first of all, He's either under there with a waterproof stopwatch that he's got set to exactly the time <laughs> where the lack of oxygen will kill him, and that second of all means that he knows exactly how long it will take before the lack of oxygen kills him. Like with that amount of yeah. precision, I just don't understand
1: that. He, he's a scientist at heart, but no, he 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 believes that like he cur- honestly, it's probably just oxygen deprivation, but he like gets into like this state of euphoria and he's yeah that happens that <laughs> happens when your brain doesn't get oxygen right, I'm not a doctor I'm no Barry Marshall but I know that so what he does is he's and he's legitimately like intelligent and creative it's it's said that he has this patent for underwater paper and pencils where like he can actually like write his ideas <laughs> and he'll go down underneath water and he'll write while he's submerged and then he'll, he'll come up and be like yeah I was I was thinking about this combustion engine or some bullshit like that now hang on, I gotta breathe so I don't die. Alright, going back in. Because he, he essentially wants to get to the state of like of like tapping into his brain, but he doesn't want to lose like the, the the ideas that he has while he's essentially bleeding out. And like he it's it's such an insane thing. But he's <laughs> he's legitimately he's respected. In his community, like, people fucking love him. And it's such a weird... Like, he sounds insane, but people fucking love him. And going back previously to where I talked about how much, like, he cares about his name, in the documentary I watched, there was a point where he was holding an event for, at the time, his 80th birthday. And he was having it essentially in this, like, boardroom at a hotel. And the hotel was like, "Look, man, we don't really like rename our hotels. Like, you're renting out the Eagle Room," and he was like, "Can you just make it say the Nakamatsu Room?" And they were like, "We we can't we can't do that. Like, it's the Eagle Room. My my boss isn't having any of that shit." And he he said in the documentary that I watched, he was like, "I don't know your boss, but I wish for him to lose his job over this." So, yeah, they, what these poor employees like? Yeah, you are the most frightening person i've ever met in my entire life he's such an intimidating personality but also people fucking love him and i wanted to end on just a couple of his inventions his inventions his patents that he has um realistically when he was 14 he actually did make this sort of siphon that's used to remove soy sauce from containers and kind of redistribute it it's basically like a really nice uh, almost like turkey baster, but like it's a it's a whole system that he made. And apparently, he made that when he was fourteen, and like he's legitimately smart and he's legitimately inventive. But there's also some fucking insane things that he's done.
0: Well, I'm guessing you know, those that accumulate further and further the more brain cells he kills in that yeah. swimming pool.
1: He's got four brain cells in there, and they're fighting to make a new idea. He claims to have invented the floppy disk in 1952. Um, <laughs> IBM. Vehemently opposes this. Yeah, IBM, I'm sure, yeah. IBM says that they made the uh, floppy disk and patented it in 1969. What uh what Nakamatsu actually did was he made a paper optic, a paper optical sound player, which technically is the basis of what a floppy disk is. He did make that. Um, it's printed on paper, not magnetic material, which is what the floppy disk is. Uh, So with that, though, uh, unlike the floppy disk, it's not rewritable. And that was kind of a huge part of floppy disks is that they were rewritable. You could uh, write over the material and have a new material on the same floppy disk.
0: So um, floppy disk, iPod, Nakamatsu, Zune.
1: That is what you're telling me. Basically, yes. That's too bad. But what it was was that uh, because Nakamatsu's patent was on a paper uh, source, paper is floppy. Ie Nakamatsu says he made the floppy disk. Uh huh.
0: I just made this disk that is floppy. Give me my money. That's but, such but a Na- great
1: bit. <laughs> but Nakamatsu also like, um, it's it's said that he's also worked with IBM. So, like he's legitimately intelligent. But he's like splitting hairs on like what exactly it is that he's invented. Uh, Nakamatsu like a also machine
0: to split hairs.
1: He probably has made the machine to split hairs. Nakamatsu also has. The Cibrex, uh, or Cerebrex, uh, which is an armchair that he says improves mental function. So and it's literally just
0: Cerebro from the X-Men.
1: Yes. Um okay. but what the for, so it's honestly it's a really hard to research some of his inventions. I tried to yeah, look some most of them are up. Probably bullshit. I mean, so what he was able to find about the Cerebrex is that it cools the head and heats the feet, and he says this uh is able to improve mental function i imagine that this
0: is one of his later in life inventions where he just took one of those hair drying chairs from a salon (laughs) and packed the top with ice packs and put hot water bottles (laughs) and was like here's my new invention guys i have serious brain damage
1: (laughs) it's it's basically like a lazy boy with like almost like a curtain over the head it honestly it'd it'd be a great napping chair for what I was able to see about it, and I'm well, sure shit, like it helps it you back. feel calm, and I'm sure like it helps you feel great and calm. But he claims that it improves mental function. Uh, I was able to find a patent that he had for a toilet seat lifter. I assume an automatic mechanism that lifts the toilet seat for you for when you can't be asked to fucking bend over and lift <laughs> was, your own toilet seat. I was gonna say, call now, me you all, say call old, old <laughs> call me old fashioned, but
0: I, I don't, there's nothing compares to the yeah. to the feel of cold porcelain on my hand. <laughs> You know, I I think he could, you know, the reason that never caught on in America is because every woman that lives with a man would just be instantly instantly triggered by the idea just the the suggestion. Yeah. Or a lot of husbands would buy it to intentionally piss off their wives, right. I think. <laughs>
1: yeah, probably. So I have, I have three last things on Nakamatsu that I really love. Uh the first one is a point that I forgot to mention that I just I, I it's it's not anything that is important but it helps you understand the character that nakamatsu is nakamatsu loves to collect cameras which is an okay hobby uh and he said though that he's not interested though in the specs of the camera or the hardware or anything that makes the camera a fucking camera what he does is he decides on if he's going to buy a camera based on the smell okay he says if a camera smells good that means it's a good camera if it smells bad or has no odor that means it's a bad camera.
0: So, does does he does he ever explain the criteria that he he uses for how he he knows that the smell indicates how good it is? No, or does he just, just say Nakamatsu says this is this is how it goes and this is how it goes.
1: Nakamatsu says this smells good. It's a good camera.
0: So, th- if I were a smart camera salesman in Japan, I'd just be, like, spraying Chanel Number 5 over a crap camera and charging
1: him, like, 500 bucks for it. That's exactly what I'm saying is, like, if people know this, what's to stop them from just, like, putting sense around fucking shitty overpriced cameras? I think, like, the the, the tricky part of it is that, just
0: generally speaking, that is a good principle to apply to things. Usually something (laughs) smelling good is better than something smelling bad but that is the strangest application of it that oh, ever. Yeah. One, of the thing, one of the few things on this earth that you can't imagine having a scent is probably a camera. <laughs> like, I can and, see you justify buying a car for that reason
1: more than a camera. Right, it's one of those things where it's like this entire piece is made out of plastic and metal. there's nothing that should be putting out any odor, let alone a good or a foul odor. But Nak- 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 Nakamatsu believes a good camera smells good. Well, as we
0: as we established, he may have he may give himself brain damage every single day, so that could explain some of this. Um,
1: and and his last two inventions that I absolutely love, uh, the first one is the self defense wig. And this, you may be wondering what possibly could a self defense wig? So that be? sounds like my a guess, guess. Would be yeah, my guess would be a
0: scrapped widest kids you know sketch. <laughs> I was going to say that sounds like some shit that Peter Griffin would would have. <laughs>
1: it's a self defense wig. Actually, a lot of a lot of his inventions are like sitcom episodes where it's just like the dad decides he's gonna be an inventor and he just slaps shit together. Like some of his inventions, legitimately have this like air of just like, "All right, you can't possibly think this is gonna work."
0: All right, didn't Medusa invent the self defense wig?
1: Oh, that
0: that folks, mark it down. That was will probably be the smartest <laughs> joke we ever do. And who the fuck thought it would have been me, huh? Who would have called
1: me?
0: I, well, I took a mythology see.
1: class in college, and I gotta say, that's 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 top humor. That's top humor.
0: In fairness, the other options were me and Jack. You know, there wasn't a strong bet <laughs> on any of this. Catch me opening for Mort Saul this weekend.
1: I can't wait to hear your type 5. I'm sure it's all Medusa <laughs> puns. Is Mort Saul you alive? Me
0: enough... I don't know. I don't know if he knows. I mean, surely not, right? <laughs>
1: So the the self-defense wig Essentially what it is Is it's a wig with a weight In the top of it and a string And you take off the wig And you fucking throw it at somebody (laughs) And I shit you not That's the self-defense wig That's like how Batman would do it (laughs) The bat wig And it's it's a wig on a string And he just fucking throws it at people And that's the self-defense wig You know what Give me one Where do I place the order? How much is I, it? I don't give a I'm, fuck. I bought you a self defense book, Cody. And his last invention is, is probably my favorite just because of how stupid it is. The official name for this invention, invention, a very loose word here, it's a product, okay. is Lovejet for 69 Masturbation 2. Huh. <laughs> it is a sexual. Supplement yeah, spray. We, know. we know. We know that it's a sexual event. <laughs> um, uh, he said that in in Japan, and this is a legitimate thing, he was discouraged by the low birth rates of Japanese uh, people. And he was like, I'm going to go ahead and make a, a spray. And if you're wondering why it's 69, uh, the bottle uh, contains roughly 69 sprays.
0: Yeah, that's why. Um, That really, that really kind of leads me into one of my big curiosities about this guy. Nakamatsu, he either is a ninety-four-year-old virgin or absolutely slays, and I don't see he has how three can kids. Be... He's three kids. I he's been slays. slays, yeah. He's I would gone with slays. That would have been my first he's... guess.
1: These motherfuckers there, like this always find a way. There's so much shit. Like he has a patent that he says for a bra that makes boobs look bigger. There's so much about him <laughs> that's just like I didn't have time to cover. Um, <laughs> he's had he's had fucking uh prostate cancer since 2015 he was given a year to live he's still living six years later he defies medical expertise I legitimately believe this man will live to be 144 at this point it's, it's
0: kind of like remember what they said about Lemmy for motorhead like he would for like the last 30 years of his life yeah. ate nothing but steak and drank nothing but whiskey he drank like a bottle of Jack Daniels a day yeah and he would go yeah. in for these medical scans and they were all totally clean and the doctors would just Ring their heads like what what do you do what do you i it's, can't keep telling you it's okay to do this but <laughs> it's not hurting you somehow
1: it's the scene from the simpsons where mr burns goes for his checkup and he's like you have all these viruses competing to kill you but they're all stuck in the door and we call it uh <laughs> he was like, oh it was we call it a uh, three stooges syndrome
0: yep also um i wanted to i looked it up more salt He's alive and a fun piece of trivia. He is the same age as Nakamatsu. He's 94 years old.
1: Oh, and oh. sorry, sorry, I lied. Nakamatsu is ninety-three. I lied, sorry, I, I misspoke briefly. He's 93. Saul is older than Nakamatsu. <laughs> <laughs> but Nakamatsu, an amazing person, believes he's gonna live to be 144. And I fucking believe him. His mom lived to be 102, I believe it was. Like, he is insane, but he's also accredited. At being insane, and the people genuinely love him. So my question to you is: If you were deprived of oxygen underwater, what would you invent?
0: Hmm. Uh, an aqualong.
1: Ah, there it is. So uh, gills. You would invent gills. Yeah, a squid what tank. Whatever. This is all speculation, of course. <laughs> like, like straw- at, at your brain's like highest point of just like hallucinating and like out there conceptual ideas what what do you think you would create
0: okay now this is an experience that i can relate to a little bit um what would i create see what i'm trying to think it's like so in uh when i was in i think sixth grade which and this is saying something may have been um the that year may have been the nerdiest year that i have been alive for me personally i think i was nerdier when i was 12 than i was any other years and i would just come up with a and it was just coming up with with shit just to invent. I'm trying to think of what some of that was cuz it would probably be something like insane and so like some of the, the like the the self defense wig is something i would have um um this is tough cuz it, it it would be something akin to the self defense wig. Um how about um like uh like a shoe that has uh, like wireless headphones implanted in it.
1: That sounds like it could be a Nakamatsu invention.
0: Yeah. That, so- that or like it's what the new Yeezys are gonna have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they just play 808s on repeat. You can't turn it off or silence them. They're just constantly at a 10 volume.
0: He finally managed to top U2 for pomposity and music, of forcing their music on people.
1: I uh, remember when everyone was pissed that I got a free album that didn't really inconvenience them at all. I mean, I remember when that was the biggest that's controversy? How shitty,
0: that's how shitty a band U2 is.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. No, that also that too. I mean, I remember not even really using my iTunes at the time, but also being annoyed that I had a U2 album when I didn't even use iTunes.
0: Um. Yeah. So Nakamatsu. Um. Let me just say I adore this man and (laughs) did not know anything about him before this (laughs) and I'm going to probably read a lot about him because he's
1: he's he's, like he's not he's not like a pompous asshole but he's he's legitimately like lovable people love him he's got several books I wish I could read Japanese to fucking buy them and read them but like I watched I watched like a 50 minute documentary I watched a couple different interviews on like small like little blurbs about him and he's just he's a fascinating person
0: yeah I just want to give him like a like a kiss on the top of his wrinkly head like uh uh, uh like han like homer did a hans Moleman. <laughs> i think i think he would probably have some kind of really bizarre objection to that like that saps your energy somehow <laughs> well i guess that brings us to me um uh, my guy this week is uh i know i say this always and it's always been true but uh this guy is a doozy um <laughs> And I promise all of you, because we've been doing very well on time so far. That, um, and I know the 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 show tends to run kind of long. Um, I will try not to ramble on in a long time about this guy, but there is a lot to be said. Um, I'm telling the story of James Robert Scott, or as I will uh, I will mostly be calling him Jim, um, because and not to give away the whole thing. But on the website where you can look up what facility he's currently being housed in, <laughs> uh, lists. Uh, uh, as as an alias for him is Jim. So um, Jim Scott is he grew up in Quincy, Illinois, um, which is a river town in West Central Illinois. For those of you who don't know, many of our listeners probably are familiar with Quincy. Um, it, it's hard to to really articulate it, but they're the river town folk. are. There's def, That's definitely a type of person. I'm not that's not a judgment. I'm not saying they're bad, but there is definitely a type of person that is a river person. There's um, a culture. They have, yeah. they have kind of their own cultural, you know, and I'm not sure exactly where it comes from, but there's definitely a, a different kind of culture there. And, uh, river towns, like in the area surrounding Quincy is where all of this is going to happen. Um, so to start off with Jim Scott, I mean, he's always been a very troubled guy. Um, his first serious brush with the law was at 12 years old when he, uh, well, he, uh, well, he did, he did a bad thing. Um, he, uh, he, well, I mean, he burned down his elementary school um, right. and, uh, yeah, I did some time in juvie for that. Um, as, as you would expect as one does, yeah. as
1: most 12 year olds do.
0: So yeah, I tw- mean, you know, was it justified? Wasn't, yeah. He wasn't Ken McElroy. He didn't shoot anybody's dog. That's, that's right. I don't know if it was justified it. or not other than
1: school sucks. Um, we all have thought about doing this, but he just actually did it. Um, I was 12 in a school in Illinois. No, I get, I get that feeling.
0: Yeah. He burned down Webster elementary in Quincy. Um, six years later at 18 years old, um, he uh, once again, set a bunch of fires um, and burnt down somebody's garage in the process. Um, and he was convicted of arson. This time as an adult and um, was sentenced to seven years in the Illinois department of correction. Um during his late teens and early 20s, he also got a few convictions for, like, low-level burglaries, which he did time for. So by the time he's, like, fully, like, into his 20s, he's been to prison, like, six times. So, yikes. And and this is where, you know, for – I think we've we've touched on this a bit. So I work as a public defender. I have for over three years now. Um, this is the only legal job I've had. Um, you know, every year as a public defender is, like, basically, like, three years' worth of experience all jammed into one. Um, so, you know, in my line of work, you just, you, you do encounter guys like this who, I mean, right from the get go, just something was, was up with them. Yeah. And you know, my experience, like, you know, I'm pretty adamant. People are not born like career criminals like this. Like something is wrong. there. either, it can be nature, it can be nurture. Like they may have something wrong mentally that like either, you know, nobody ever thought to, you know, get them help or they don't have access to it or the, it could, the medical the medical term I think is antisocial personality disorder. When, when you just kind of habitually break the law and yeah, usually it's a result of either genetic factors or more frequently a combination of genetic factors and like abuse and growing up around people with criminal tendencies. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's like, there's no criminal gene necessarily, but like, you know, if you deal with issues like that, um, and especially if you just don't have any good examples that gets people into these cycles. And, you know, it, it. it's unfortunate, like, our system, as it's currently constructed, and, you know, this is, as gently as I can put it, really does not have a good way to deal with guys like this other than just incarcerating them over and over and over again. And yeah. even, even, you know, he even himself admits, like, how he views himself in, in, in interviews ever since all this is, and this is a direct
1: quote from him, um, an arsonist by nature and a lifetime criminal um and and it's hard to probably escape that mindset when you've been essentially in the system since 12 and people probably don't look highly on you after that no well
0: and this kind of like mental disorder you know there's a couple different personality disorders that he theoretically could have but you know if you don't get help for that that just kind of solidifies your mental state and it, it erodes your empathy to the point where you become kind of self-aggrandizing. So he probably like thinks that's a cool way to look at himself.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure it's festered to him and it's like, all right, cool. Like I'm, I'm the guy who does this shit. What do people expect from me now? So 1993
0: rolls around. Um, He is paroled. He's on parole for the, the 1988 arsons, which were the ones when he was 18. Um, He's still living in the Quincy area. He's got a shitty job. He works at Burger King. Um, and by um, apparently he, uh, it's reported that he drank heavily, per, you know, pretty much every night. That's the other strong hit in all this. That he also uh, is an alcoholic. Um, so nineteen 1990- ninety terrible. He said, sipping his beer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we're all drinking during this podcast.
0: Well, if one of you uh, uh, burns down an elementary school, I'll be, I'll become a little more concerned. Um, or if What's you do- the statute of
1: limitations on that? I'll
0: tell you after that. <laughs> Ah uh, you're good i wouldn't worry about it. Um, <clears throat> so nineteen ninety three um some may know this some may not remember this quite as well but um in this portion of the midwest the big thing that happened in nineteen ninety three was the great flood um and i'll I'll try and run through the 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 you know this whole backstory as quickly as i can um prior to nineteen ninety three the worst Um, flooding season in the United States on record was 1927 Um, along the entire Mississippi river, um, massive, massive damage was caused. Um, 1993 was the worst one since then Um, throughout the upper Mississippi river region. um, uh, You know, uh, everywhere along the upper part of the Mississippi and Missouri rivers. So Iowa, Missouri, Illinois all had pretty devastating damage during all this. Um, and how this happened, I mean, the short version is that it just rained a shitload for a very long time. <laughs> um, summer, going back to summer of 1992, so um, shortly before I was born, um, there was a lot of rain throughout the Midwest, and the temperature was very mild, um, which meant that the uh, the soil mo- moisture was at higher levels than usual going into that winter. winter the river 90- wasn't evaporating as much either, yep. And winter 92, 93 rolls around, also very mild and very heavy snowfall. Um, spring '93, uh, same story, <laughs> different act. Consistent storms all throughout the upper Midwest. And this was the last time in the history of humanity that too little heat is ever going to be a problem. Right.
1: Right. So it's kind of like, hey, it's been moist for a long time, and nothing's really stopped that like river from rising slowly.
0: Right. And so you know, there's some just basic like common sense science that goes into this. Usually, when it rains a lot. Um, the reason that things like don't flood just because there's a bunch of rain is because ordinarily, ordinarily the ground soaks up a lot of it. Um, and where you see a lot of flash flooding is in places where that really you know, functionally can't happen. But at a certain point, if there's been so much moisture over so much time and it becomes so saturated, it stops absorbing water, in spring of 93, that's what starts to happen um, in the upper Midwest and the upper Great Plains. Um, so, you know, maybe... Maybe they can avoid disaster if summer rolls around and it just it just finally stops raining. well, <laughs> hate to be the bearer of bad news, but um in certain <laughs> places, it was estimated that there was as much as four hundred to seven hundred and fifty percent as much rain as most seasons. God damn um, and Get used to see in that one so the the final the real final straw was in South Dakota which is where a lot of the like smaller tributaries that uh, feed into the Mississippi and Missouri rivers rainfall is incredibly severe from May through July From May through July. It rains 22 and a half inches in South Dakota. Jesus. Um, and that's where it kind of starts to break out. It spreads down to the black river in Wisconsin, which is a tributary. Um, and so the Mississippi and Missouri rivers are kind of just hang on for dear life. Like, Flood levels arise and they'll recede, but like there hasn't been chaos yet. It's just looking really discouraging. Finally, July rolls around, and in Iowa, uh, probably the best way to describe it is just all hell breaks loose. Um, (laughs) the like a a large part of uh, Iowa State's campus, which is a pretty large college, floods. City of Des Moines, which again, pretty sizable city, not only were they out of power for a little bit, but it flooded so bad it flooded the town's water treatment plant. And when the water treatment plant is flooded, you cannot purify water. And so people had no clean water or electricity for a while. So and- just to to point out um that Jack John's prediction did come through. We could make this connection. Jack John and I got drunk in Des Moines once. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um did you have clean water and electricity? Was it? Were you standing? Uh, the water. I don't know of because I don't think either of us drank water the entire day. But uh, there definitely was power because I remember driving in the middle of a snowstorm, and I would have been very upset if the hotel had not had power.
1: Shout out to our specific friend who wouldn't drive through the snowstorm to get drunk with us. We, you know who you are.
0: Also, shout out our buddy Nigel whose wedding that was. Yes, absolutely.
1: And shout Shout out out to to Nigel. I know,
0: and I know for a fact he has listened to the show. So thank you, Nigel. Um.
1: Yeah, no, because he talked shit about me the first episode. Yeah. To you, Nigel. yeah <laughs>
0: right. you fucking earned that. I am tired of you pretending it, it, like it, you've been put upon for the abuse you got for that. It is
1: the badge of honor I wear every episode to just make somebody go, oh, fuck Jack John, I wear that. We pride. just made
0: him sew a Scarlet A onto his lapel, for <laughs> asshole.
1: I, I firmly planted my flag in the, oh, it's that asshole. Um, so in
0: June and early July, so people in, um, Western Illinois and Eastern Missouri. I mean, they see what's, what's happening and what's coming. And so <clears throat> a ton of work goes into just people from these various communities, like helping sandbag all the levees um, results of this were mixed. Like not every levy failed, but a lot did. Um, <clears throat> just, I mean, just despite people's best efforts. I mean, they tried like hell, but you know, along the Mississippi and Missouri rivers were, you know, they're dealing with like record breaking press Um like, even higher than in, like, 1927. The only thing that is making this not as bad so far is because people are better prepared, but you can only do so much. One place where it really could have been worse was here in St. Louis. Um, there was a a flood wall that was built. I saw so, an article listed as, like, controversially built. I don't know what the controversy was, but apparently some people didn't want, like, objected to this flood wall being built, something about it. Um, but they built, well, I, like, I wonder a- what that's analogous to in <laughs> modern society. <laughs> um, people... In 1960, people built this uh, four to five like, flood wall uh, throughout downtown St. Louis, which obviously right along the Mississippi River, just, just south of the convergence of the Mississippi and the Missouri. Um, so it's like a significant flood risk if something like this was to happen. Um, the flood wall held with just two feet to spare. So it got pretty close, um, but it held. And that's good because it would have submerged the entirety of downtown St. Louis otherwise. I saw an article that quoted that the old Bush Stadium um, and the way it was built, which was basically like a bowl shape that was slightly underground, an article I saw cited that it would have filled with water in 70 seconds. Um, Jesus Christ. That's that's how devastating it would have been in St. Louis had it flooded. You know, I I remember that stadium. And yeah, it was a literal bowl. You could not have built a building (laughs) that would fill up with water faster, even if that's what you had in mind.
1: Really efficient building.
0: And so while all this is going on, um, Jim Scott and his family, they're heavily involved with fortifying levees in their area. Uh, the one of particular interest was the West Quincy Levee. West Quincy is the on the other side of the river in Missouri. Um, and that levee they thought might be suspect. And so people put in a ton of work fortifying it. Um, so that brings us to July 16th of 1993. Uh, it seemed like they were actually going to be okay. The river had crested, and the levee didn't breach, and it had act- the river level actually started falling a bit. But that evening, to everyone's shock, the West Quincy levee fails. And the result of this, uh, 14,000 acres of uh, farm, farmland on the Missouri side flooded. Um, nobody was killed, Thankfully. Um, but there were a bunch of businesses in these towns that got flooded out and, you know, just never came back. Um, people got severely inconvenienced for work. And I will make light of that because how severe it was in particular. You know, there are plenty of people who lived on the Missouri side and would drive across the, the bridge to get to Quincy for work. Well, that bridge is now washed out. They had to drive as much as 80 miles out of their way to get to work. Because this, is, this is America and being marooned um, in a different state. Um, your boss still wants you to come into work, um, and so people would have to drive from this area, which is around like Quincy and Hannibal, all the way down to St. Louis to take a bridge, or all the way up to Burlington, Iowa to take a bridge. Um, and I'm sure the traffic on those bridges was just insane. Over, the- and yeah. I'm sure
1: they're, and I'm sure at best they're making like five and a quarter an hour.
0: Yeah, and, and like I think there were some ferries that were still operational, but those get you know so much, I think it's so crowded so quickly, it wasn't really a viable option. Um, and finally, the, the other the, the other story that happened, and this is just like this is just the kind of thing that would happen in like a shitty like network TV uh, disaster movie, uh, there was a barge coming down around this time, and it gets sucked into the failing levee and slams into a gas station and starts a huge fire.
1: so Jesus. it's is like, after tomorrow shit that's another like,
0: Sim- that's another Simpsons thing yeah, like, I could it's, see that happening on The Simpsons. <laughs> It's like hell on earth. And so everyone is kind of wondering the same thing. What the fuck happened? We thought we were okay. (laughs) And so the local station WGEM in Quincy sends their reporter Michelle McCormack to go find out exactly that. What the fuck happened? So (laughs) That was the byline,
1: actually. She just received a paper and it said find what the fuck happened. She
0: goes to the scene. The first people she runs into are two IDOT, Illinois Department of Transportation workers. um, And they pointed to this guy standing nearby and said that was the first guy on the scene. That happens to be our friend Jim Scott, <laughs> and um, she goes over and asks him to do a live interview. Now I'm going to put my lawyer hat on here, <laughs> and I'm just going to say some it's free legal advice from some free legal advice for all of you. Um, if you have just committed a crime, or you are at least someone who you could reasonably think, like, they might think that I did this even if I didn't, and they ask you to do a live interview on the scene, just say no! Don't do the interview! If you have committed any kind of crime, it's really best to avoid appearing on television unless that's, like, part of your job and it's going to look weird if you didn't. Like, if you're somebody with a record of arson and you're at the side of a massive flood and everyone said you were the first one there... Just don't talk to the reporter. Yeah, so uh, he, you he might know what been happened. Thinking, he might have been thinking like, oh, well, they all know me as an arsonist, <laughs> but this is the opposite of arson. They'll <laughs> never the fire guess his I hear and water. And it is like too bad because like, had this interview not happened, it is a serious question whether or not like they ever would have looked into him for this. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, Jim Scott did not put his lawyer hat on. And he, of course, agrees to the interview on the spot. And it's live, unedited. Um, <clears throat> and he tells the story that earlier that day he drove across the bridge um, and he noticed a weak spot on the levee. So he stopped and um, like shifted some sandbags around, like took some from a place where there was an excess and tried to patch up that spot. He says then he went for a drink. That part's probably true. He came <laughs> back to check and the levee was failing. And I don't know if it's made clear whether um, he claims that he alerted the Coast Guard or whether he just assisted them. But he says, like, the Coast Guard gets involved, I help start helping them load boats. So that's the interview that he gives. Unfortunately for him, someone who happens to be watching this coverage is a gentleman by the name of Neil Baker, who is a sergeant with the Quincy Police Department. Um, now, he's he doing this is going to draw some... Uh, some bad attention to him regardless. But it's especially unfortunate that Sergeant Baker happened to be the one watching this, because the significance of Sergeant Baker in particular, he is the one who arrested Scott for both arsons, the juvenile one and the adult (laughs) one. And so how I picture it is there's like this Scooby-Doo moment where he's wondering what happened, he watches it, and Jim Scott comes on screen and starts telling this tale of of how he tried to help, and uh yeah he does know what happened he sees all this and just art you know like he has that <laughs> moment like like jesus christ um yeah,
1: I'm, I'm imagining like the like the really cliche where it's like it zooms in on his face and everything goes to like a squeal <laughs> yeah. and he just zoomed in and he's like fucker he doesn't hear anything he said he just hears rage so sergeant thing goes red yes So sergeant baker
0: um aside from just the kind of odd nature of the story um, and him being there at the scene with the history that he has, um, what he also observes is that first of all, that he's not wearing a life jacket, which all he could have just taken a thing off. Um, I don't think that that's really probative of much, but he was like, I'm not going to let the camera see me like a pussy, but, and this is probably probably a more astute point, which is that for somebody who is saying that he's been in some capacity out here working, on this levee, or, or like trying to help, you know, assist with this flood. He's com- He's pretty much squeaky clean. Like his clothes are not dirty at all. Um, which is odd. Well, just tell him the water, wash it off. <laughs> well, you've been in the Mississippi river. That water is not. Uh, yeah. If anything, he'd be glowing. And yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. Not like, good. Like covered it. You put a Geiger and... counter
1: next to you and you went clean. So we know you're lying. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um so you know Bay- Sergeant Baker notices this and also authorities on the Missouri side um they also notice this and find it suspicious and they get even more suspicious um after uh finding out about his criminal record um but they do not have nearly enough to actually charge this guy with anything um and so a few months pass and we fast forward to October 1st uh Jim Scott is being questioned by the police for some other charges um Uh, and he, during this interview, he does confess to those charges, which like some bad checks and I think another low level burglary. Um, but he makes some state, I'm going to be fair and call these quasi incriminating statements about the flood because, and and I'll, I'll do another like brief look like legal aside is that, um, there's, there's obviously like all kinds of complexities and nuances to this, but the very like basic level understanding, of how any criminal charge works in a criminal code is there's what's called the mens rea and the actus rea um the actus rea is thank you um the actus rea is the action that you have to uh that you have to make to be charged with this crime like for a murder it would be killing somebody um the men's rea is the state of mind it can be intentionally knowingly recklessly things like that you know with a purpose to so on and so forth um the statements that he make, or that he makes in this interview, um, they—I don't even think they're—I wouldn't even call this a confession, but it—it it makes it look at on the the like the actus reus side of this, which is his story has has now changed to like, man, I, all I was trying to do was, was you know help this community out, and you know I know I messed up, I messed up big time, and so you know he is now change his story to where he's acknowledging that what he did caused this um and i may come back to this later that does not necessarily mean that that is that he is correct about this but that is what he said his- yeah, i mean that's kind of mistake number one i think yeah uh, well <laughs> not, not number one but i mean that, that was a mistake i would say don't do the live interview on the scene of a crime where they're instantly gonna think you did it and and Frankly, just don't talk to the cops. I mean, ask for a lawyer, for God's sake. If, if there's one thing you can take from this podcast, it's don't talk to the cops. Ask for a lawyer. I mean, that is, yes. They have to are, stop. If <laughs> you are ever, yeah, if you are ever interrogated or, or questioned by police in any way for anything ever, it is in your best interest to get a lawyer. That is. You, or even,
1: even, even if you, they just ask you how it's going, just tell them to fuck off and walk away. Even yeah. if you, Even if you didn't do it. Yes, you need to stop the questioning because they have to
0: stop. It's foolproof. Because they don't care a lot of the time. If they don't stop, whatever they charge you with is going to get thrown out. So anyway, (laughs) lawyer hat off. Um, His other big problem, this is the thing that really sinks him. Um, So cops on both sides of the river are working together and they're also working with the feds who are very thorough Um, and they start talking to witnesses. They find this other guy named Joe Flax. Joe Flax oh. really screws or, quarterback for the Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, Joe Flax is an elite snitch as we find out. <laughs> um, He's an NFL level snitch. Joe Flax tells the story to the authorities because um, like, they're looking for two things. I mean, they're looking to corroborate that he is what caused this flood. They're also probably, I imagine they're trying to figure out why the hell he would have done this. Cause that is a reasonable question. Like, Who in their right mind would do something like this? I know he has a history of arson, but who would cause a massive flood on purpose? Um, And the story that Joe Flax tells and (laughs) what he says here has painted the entire perception of this story, Um, whether it's true or not, this is how people look at it. What he tells cops is that like that Jim Scott had confessed to him to doing this on purpose and that the reason that he did this was that his wife, Susie, worked at a truck stop diner on the other side of the river. And he basically wanted some time to live the bachelor lifestyle for a while. He wanted to be able to drink and party it up and uh, fish all the time and have affairs. This is what Joe Flax said. And so he, pu- he intentionally broke the levee while his wife was working on the Missouri side so that he could maroon her over there and that he could basically live the party lifestyle for a few weeks. So he, This is what Joe Flax said. He thought he was going to pull those bags out and she was going to be stuck on the other side of the river and just the sun was going to come out and uh Travis Tritt's It's a Great Day to Be Alive was going to start playing in the background and just everything was going to turn around for him, huh?
1: I like to think that he was like, I'm just going to like huck Finn down this river and just like do whatever the fuck I want and fish and just like Just be drunk all the time, which probably isn't much different than what he was already doing.
0: I mean that sounds like that float trip we took that one time.
1: It is exactly the float trip that we took a couple years ago.
0: Thankfully the uh the diner didn't go out of business. They had a great recipe for leek pie. And uh they were able to
1: sustain themselves.
0: Um, It's a bit bloody this one. (laughs) Um so that's what Joe Flags River Soup. Which like, look, that is an outrageous claim.
1: Um I'll get to my thoughts more even, on
0: this later, but...
1: Even, if, in, even in practice and in theory, it doesn't work. Like, that's not the only way to get yeah. from Missouri to Illinois. Like, that, even on its basis, is a shit
0: idea. But,
1: yeah, you are setting yourself up for a cartoonish confrontation
0: when she finally makes the trip back over four <laughs> hours later.
1: <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to sleep so, at the diner.
0: This is crazy. So, I'll get to my thoughts on this later, but... um. <laughs> For now, what I'll say is that, if true, if Joe Flack's story is true, then Jim Scott has flooded fourteen thousand acres of farmland and caused a barge to crash into a gas station. Also, he could get away from the ball and chain for a little while.
1: Um, just f- just fucking f- divorce. Strange.
0: Get a divorce. Yeah. Get I- a lawyer <laughs> again. Get a lawyer. Uh, Jim, get <clears throat> out of the glory hole. So, they finally have a, they finally collected a fair amount uh, of evidence on this, and it's mostly circumstantial, but I'll also dispel a common myth about criminal law, which is that they can't convict you on circumstantial evidence. In fact, they can, and they usually do, because that's, like, in fairness, that is usually what they have. Um, (laughs) Hmm. And the next question is, what the hell do we charge this guy with? Clearly, this is highly illegal, what he's done. Um, Do we have a specific law on the books for this? Surely not. As it turns out, we do. Um, mm-hmm. Because there was an obscure law passed in Missouri in 1979. Intention- called the Dutch Boy Act. <laughs> it's intentionally causing a catastrophe, which <laughs> this fits the bill for. And the sentencing guidelines have changed, I think, multiple times since then. But my understanding, it, like, it carries up to a life sentence in prison. Um, so so they- I know a couple of guys who've visited some gas station bathrooms who should be doing 20 to life for this <laughs> then. Because... Um, wow. so he gets charged with this and it goes to trial and the defense their main defense was they called uh, two soil science experts one is a professor at Mizzou by the name of David Hammer um, he argues and I, I need a great to, name he really is um, he should be a hard-boiled Brooklyn detective with that name <laughs> um, nothing gets past the hammer I really need to read more about what all he argued but his whole point is that it was like scientifically impossible for um jim to have like actually caused this flood whether he fucked with the levee or not um and also pointed out like i know people felt good about this levy but like levees all over the place around there were failing like it was not an unusual thing that one of these levees failed they also called a professor by the name of charles morris um, he had a similar, but slightly different argument. He looked at the history of fortifying the levee um, and found out that like, apparently they got it, you know, they got it put together. They got all the sandbags in place. They still wanted a little extra security and they called in a bulldozer to help fortify it, I guess, to like, kind of like pack it tighter. He argued that that actually weakened the integrity of the levy and made it more likely to break. Unfortunately, well, I can see that. Unfortunately, yeah. the jury uh, does not agree with you. Um, and he was convicted um however, he appealed it. The conviction was thrown out in nineteen ninety-seven oh. due to prosecutorial misconduct. In particular, the prosecutors did not notify defense counsel about two of the witnesses that they called. I think there were a couple of the witnesses who um I, I may have forgotten to mention this, but um like well at the same time they're talking to Joe Flax, they also find some other witnesses who don't they don't like corroborate like the story of why, but they say like he was at a party with us a couple weeks later. Um, and and he said he did it and he bragged about doing it. I think a couple of those people, they didn't notify the defense about, and I've only ever done this side of it, but that's like day one stuff. Like both sides leading into a trial, you have to notify and endorse the witnesses that you're going to call.
1: Surprise witnesses aren't real. So the, the conviction
0: gets thrown out. A new trial is ordered by the court of appeals. Um, the trial plays out the exact same way. It once again is convicted. They reinstate the sentence from the first trial, which was, um, minimum 10 years and up to life. um, and that's where Jim Scott sits. He's currently incarcerated at Jefferson city correctional center, which is one of the higher security prisons in Missouri. Um, and he's what Do you think he's going to flood something else. <laughs> they don't <laughs> and... <clears throat> give him a toilet for very
1: specific reasons.
0: <laughs> JCCC is like, it's one of the prisons that is notorious for housing. Like a lot of like well-known uh, offenders in the state of Missouri. So that's where he is. And, um, so the aftermath of all this, um, you know, Scott is serving up to a life sentence. He is eligible for parole in 2023. I have no idea whether they'll parole him at some point or not.
1: Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed.
0: He, <laughs> he maintains his innocence to this day. Um, and before so I get, would I. I mean, before- honestly. <laughs> before I get into all that, I, the other thing I want to point out, to this day, Scott remains the only person ever convicted of this particular charge. What I would like to know is whether anyone else has ever been charged with it, but for sure, for a fact, he's the only person ever to be convicted of it. I mean, I think I, I'm trying to think of how else you could. I guess you could like set one intentionally, set a California brush fire or something like that. Right, and, you, and it would you, qualify. I'm trying to think. There are just very few. I, I maybe you know if you were to like blow up an oil rig or something. Yeah. You know, there are just very you, few things you could feasibly do that would fit
1: that description. You would you would have to emulate a natural disaster. And it would take so much planning and fuck from everyone else around you to be able to get away with something that massive. I would say that, like, in, like, a town that's down in a
0: valley, by, like, a, um, a cliffside, maybe, like, if you put enough yeah. effort into it, you can maybe cause a mudslide intentionally. <laughs> like, um, you would have to set a whole you could, town you on fire. Probably, you could probably cause an avalanche, uh, intentionally. I have... Now, granted, there are requirements for this law, like, it has to cause a certain amount of damage, and this one it obviously did. So it yeah. can't just be in, like, a remote area where, where like, it doesn't cause any problems. How um, would you like to be the guy that came in just under the wire on that amount of damage? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> Saved by the bell.
1: I found my new life goal was to achieve this threshold of destructive damage. So, Scott maintains his innocence to this day.
0: Interestingly enough, he is not alone in that. So that previously mentioned expert David Hammer, he's done a bunch of interviews. He maintains that Scott could not have done this. Whatever he did, that it is not possible for his actions to have caused this yeah. massive of a flood. Um <clears throat> in particular, he's mentioned that he was not allowed, I guess at either trial, to he wanted to cite um evidence from like a highly regarded peer reviewed uh journal at trial to make his argument and they didn't let him. Um Adam Pitlock, who is a journalist for Time Magazine, wrote a book called Damn to Eternity that is about him. Um, and that's a good title. And argues that he's, that he's innocent. And there's like a shortened article version of this that I read part of um, that's out there for free. Um, I mean, his point was that, you know, in addition to all these other things, he pointed out something that is true, which is that if they needed a scapegoat, Jim Scott is a perfect scapegoat. Not only was yeah. he there at the scene acting all weird, he's this guy with this criminal record, He's an easy target. Even if he hadn't done this interview, he's someone that they that may have been a person of interest. Um, he's the town shithead.
1: He's he's someone where it's even if his actions had no actual impact on it, him being like ah well maybe though all right cool fuck it that's enough.
0: Um, a personal anecdotal ad is that I have a friend who is an engineer in Missouri, and a couple months ago we were talking about this story while we were uh, um, while we were out kind of late. And, um, he mentioned that he knows people in that community that also don't think he's guilty. In fairness, I don't, he may have like taken some of David Hamer's classes. I don't know if it's him, but like at least in that community, there is a lot of questions as to whether or not he was actually guilty of this. Um, Sergeant the aforementioned Sergeant Neil Baker, um, he maintains of course that Scott did it. Um, he thinks that even his whole story about volunteering at all was a lie, although, um, he doesn't necessarily he's not necessarily sold on joe flax's story about the motive his whole point is i have no idea why he did this um but i think he did it um well i mean it, it really we've brushed on it a couple times here but this is an oddly similar crime to arson so i mean yeah he's yeah
1: he's got and, a
0: history of that and that's normally a pathological kind of thing so right i think they figured they could just kind of squeeze the motive into that box whether it fit there or not
1: it's an unfortunate person in a really unfortunate circumstance where it's like even if you didn't do this you're the exact kind of person who would have done this right
0: and that brings me to and you were
1: also there so that brings me to my position on all this
0: as like having worked in criminal law in missouri for a few years and having researched this my official position on this is i really don't know um <laughs> i i you know, I can see possibly that like there's a few things that are hard to square away. Why the hell was he there? Why was he so clean? Um, why did he tell this far-fetched story? Um, but you know, it, it, I think if he did do this. I'll say I am extremely skeptical of Joe Flax's story. Like that that's why he would have done this. I think as He's we touched on a non- to,
1: storyteller.
0: I yeah, no. I'm I'm gonna put that in the I'm about 75% sure that's bullshit. Right. Category. As 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 funny as that is, <laughs> I don't know that it's true. I think if he did do this, it's kind of like we touched on that it was scratching the same kind of itch that he has that arson scratched. Yeah. Um, as to why he would, you know, be upfront about being an arsonist, but not this. Well, in fairness, he is serving a life sentence for this, where he's you know going to be up for parole at some point, um, whereas he is done serving his time for the arsons. Um Now, that being said, um, I can also see like a lot of scenarios where he wasn't good for this, including a scenario where even maybe he thought he was screwing uh, with a levy for one reason yeah. or another, but it, that it broke naturally. Um, there could also be stories... I, I'm also less inclined to believe his full version of events um you know if nothing else he he may have picked and chose information um but i think it is i mean totally feasible that he didn't do this i would what i want to do is find more on the science uh of why these experts think he couldn't have done it because what they have yeah. to say is probably pretty compelling to that note now as to um why he would brag to witnesses and tell the story to joe flack a couple possibilities one is you know this is a guy who is, you know, in the spotlight. Clearly, this is the biggest event that this area has seen, maybe ever. And people just make shit up sometimes. <laughs> like, they just they just yeah. em- embellish because they think it's going to impress people, especially for someone who, as we've established, has a massive drinking problem. He may have just gotten drunk and said all of this. And um, see, that's actually when, you know, when they ask the question of, you know, it, why would he make up the story about volunteering, which it seems fairly likely that he did if he didn't have anything to do with it. That was actually my first thought, is some people just really want some kind of positive attention, especially yeah. if you've got the kind of mental health problems that that level of, of drunkenness and criminality would suggest. So, yeah, I'm I'm thinking that might very yeah. well be the case. He just made it up to,
1: to sound better. I'm definitely of the mind that he, like he fucked with the levy at some point, And was he just like, like, yeah, I'm going to get a free night. And then like, it turned into this huge fucking thing. And he was just like, all right, well, I want people to like me. I'm going to tell them that I did this crazy fucking thing. And I was going to do all this crazy shit. And like, it blew way out of proportion. And also, oh fuck. Now they're charging me. So, yeah, I, I really just, I'm left
0: not knowing exactly what to think. about yeah, I can, I can see a scenario where he's guilty. I don't think the stated reason is why, although it is much funnier to <laughs> imagine yeah. it that way. Um <laughs> I could also see that he that he that he didn't actually do it. Uh, and that there's some le- level of lie that he's telling. There's a scenario where, you know, the whole story that he told on on camera in the interview was concocted, um not because he wanted to hide any wrongdoing, but as he touched on that he just wanted to seem like a hero. I mean, this is a guy <laughs> yeah. who's been one of the town bombs for a long time. Um, his family had been working on fortifying this levy. It's, you know, one of the most productive things in the community he's ever done. And by embellishing it, it, you know, it's possible that he embellished this story. And in doing so, it turned all of the attention to him and wound up uh, in prison for life over
1: it. It um, would I mean, be very probably... unfortunate that the one time he tries to do something good, it completely blows the fuck up in his face.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I could see him going Where's the harm? Where's the harm in telling them I did a little bit more than I did? I mean, what what's it going to hurt? What's going to happen? And um, I guess the universe very, <laughs> very comically answered that question. Right. So that's Jim Scott. And um, my big question at the end of all this to, to the two of you, um, what is the most selfish reason for which you would cause a large scale natural disaster? <laughs> And also, what disaster would you choose? That's a bonus.
1: I think that if I really wanted, and for for me specifically, it would probably be that I wanted like a weekend to play video games by myself and not do anything else. Like, I wouldn't want to work. I wouldn't want to. Like, I love my wife, but I'm like, fuck. I need I need a weekend alone. And they'd probably be like just like a weekend away to play video games and which sounds nerdy as shit. Um I'd probably And you can use your imagination on this. Yeah. I the idea that I would say is to knock down a power grid, but then that would affect me as well. But honestly, the easiest crime that I could probably commit would be to knock down a power grid. I don't know how I'm going to get power to myself to play video games I, afterwards. I was, I was but I think say, knocking down a power grid is probably how I would I would start there and then work backwards. I, I'm an,
0: You I'm can an, get a pro, you can get a propane generator. I'm just yeah saying. yeah like I I, was,
1: I, I I would knock down the power grid and then resource it. Like yeah, I wouldn't think I, it through. I was envisioning a, a scenario very much
0: akin to uh, yeah. Time Enough at Last, the Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> Where you, you, knock yes. out of, you knock out all the power, so you can finally be free to play your video games, and you realize you have no power. It's not fair. <laughs> I would get
1: I would get one of those really shitty like power bikes, where like I'm powering enough electricity to then run my PC for ten minutes, and then I'm just doing that forever for a weekend. Right.
0: Okay, so I would I would build up a large reserve of water. And then cause a large scale drought and then sell the water for my own personal profit.
1: How are you causing the drought? I, th- I think they're
0: are... I, I don't know. I could. There's, I could there's a, a lot river. of variables
1: here, but the causing the drought causes me the most concern.
0: I mean, what I, I could was going to say. A I think... river that normally feeds into an aquifer that, that requires, you know, just basically any place. It doesn't even have to be a full on drought where it never rains, just people can't get access to, to water like they normally would. I was because who are you? The Nestle Corporation? I think this actually <laughs> happens in the southwestern U.S. And in fact, I think this is going to become a hellish reality very soon. I'm just imagining uh, so I'm Cody. I'm getting in on the ground floor. Yeah, you're yeah. ahead of the curve.
1: I'm imagining Cody turning a bunch of lamps on and then facing them outside and going, "That will start the drought." <laughs> uh... Well,
0: gonna. I'm just furiously erasing on a notepad right now. Like, no, that's
1: not what I was going to do. I definitely wasn't just going to heat the earth slightly. Damn it.
0: So yeah, that's the story of, of Jimmy Scott and, um, the very, very complex, confusing, and I'd say mysterious story of a guy who a may or may not have caused a massive flood and B may or may not have done it, uh, so that his wife would stop being so up his ass. Um, and that, and that he could uh, that he could uh, sleep around with some ladies. Um, great stuff. Um, so, yeah, and what a, this was, in fact, a wild show, like I was expecting it to be. We talked about some true weirdos. Um, and thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate, uh, again, the surprising number of you who are tuning into this. We appreciate it so much. Um, hopefully the next one will be as fun. Um, so let's go around the table. Uh, Cody, where can people find you? Um, check me out on Twitter. I am at Son of Gravy four twenty sixty nine. Nice. And of course, on the show, here's a guy. How about you,
1: Jack? Yeah, people can find me on Twitter at Jack John Jose. You can find me on Twitch at Twitch TV backslash Jack John plays games. I play a lot of really games. Uh, play a lot of games poorly. I also say that sentence poorly. Uh, You can also find me on the other podcasts on Spotify, Apple, all those good stuff at BelchCast, where I talk about beer and video games with my great friend, Fuki. Alex, where can the people find you?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Turpin4Prez. That's Turpin the number 4 Prez. Um, Also, be sure to uh, follow the podcast account on Twitter. That's Here's a Guy Pod. Uh, We also have an email address, which is Here's a Mailbox at gmail.com. If you ever have any uh, comments, suggestions, feedback, Um, feel free to dm us uh or uh send us an email we actually have gotten some some really great feedback from people um and we appreciate that um so yeah what another great episode this was and um just to give a little hintity hint hint i believe in the next couple weeks we are going to venture into the world of themed episodes we're gonna have a couple of those Mm -hmm. coming up and um expect both those to be really fun but uh uh, for now, that's all. Um, we will uh, see you. Um, well, not see you. I did that last time too. What am I talking about? Um, that's really good to see on. people. You'll, yeah. you'll, you will not. We did use... so good this time, and it fell apart ten seconds before you wanted to end it. Well, let's let's reel it back in. We will. Uh, you will hear us next week, and uh, we look forward to that. Um, Odie, do you want to say the tagline? No, I, I'm still working on a permanent tagline. I, I don't like just go fuck yourself. I'm working on something a little bit better. So we'll just make it a floating tagline for right now. So uh, this time it's going to be live long and prosper. Nobody's used that, right? Sure. Good night, everyone. Bye, daddies. Are you going to say the line? Live long and prosper. All right. You already said Great it. Stuff. God damn it. Great stuff.